let's dive into this thing in prayer. Lord, we thank you for just what you're doing through us as a church family. Uh, we thank you for your leading. Holy Spirit, we, we love you. You're so precious, and we refuse to take you for granted. God, as we wind down this series, um, talking about living sacrifices, we don't dismiss what we've learned, but we carry it with us, and, and we just thank you that today in this message that you get out what you need to get out, and I submit myself to you, and I thank you for the ears of every person listening, that we hear what we need to hear. Right now, we just rebuke the enemy and any of his intentions to confuse. And God, we thank you for such clarity, such powerful love as we dive into your word together. We present ourselves as living sacrifices to you. And we thank you for moving in Jesus' awesome name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Hey, I got a question for you. What tells you if or where to go to school? What to do for work, how to spend your free time, who to befriend, who to date, any single people in the house? If, when to get married, if, when to have kids, if you're satisfied, if you're safe, if you're successful, if you're valuable. What tells you your identity? I think a lot of people would be quick to say, God, obviously. I think a lot of people say God, but they live money. How many decisions in our life are led by money. Now listen, today we're going to be talking about what a godly perspective towards finances looks like. Because how many of y'all know there is such thing? Yeah? And so right off the bat, I refuse to give the devil opportunity to abuse this message and to say, oh yeah, money's bad. Money's not bad. But how many of y'all know idolatry is? What is idolatry? It's when something else becomes God. We make a God out of a thing. And how many of y'all think that it's possible that humanity does that with money? Yeah? Now again, there is such thing as practical outworkings of the financial gifts God has given you. Okay? So I'm not telling you this morning to flippantly spend money however you please. What I am saying is there's a better way than the world programs in us. See, we've been in a series called Living Sacrifices. Can you guys say Living Sacrifices? And the core scripture in this series has been Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Let's go ahead and pull that up. says this, and, and if you would please, if this is your first time, when I preach, I really like to get scripture on our tongue, and uh, also in the bold words, they kind of emphasize what we're talking about. So if you would please read the bold words with me. It says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your 
reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I know I keep asking you guys this, but how many of y'all want to see the good, acceptable, perfect will of God manifest in and through your life? Like, do you guys look forward to that? Okay, because that is a byproduct of us presenting all of ourselves to him. Presenting your body, presenting your mind, presenting any resources and gifts that he gives us, giving it all to him. I, I love Monique's prayer during worship this morning. Just if there's anything, anything we're holding back, let's give it over to him. Why? Because his way is better, right? His way is better. So the beautiful thing about this whole series is it's like we present our dead way of doing things and he gets to inject us with life and love and power. Amen? Amen? Amen. How many of y'all want to see that in your finances? Yeah? How many of y'all think that, again, the world has a tendency of brainwashing us when it comes to money and spending? Yeah? And I don't want us to be conformed to the world in that way. I want us to see things as God sees them. I just have this down. Imagine what would be possible in a church that viewed money properly, recognizing the lordship of Jesus and opening themselves up to the resources that accompany his call on our lives. Imagine that. Imagine if we can shake the perverted ideas around money. That poverty is God's will for humanity. How many of y'all think that's true? Absolutely not. That's a lie of the enemy. And there's also a lie in regards to abundance. How many of y'all think God's desire is abundance? Yes. How many of y'all know you can pervert abundance? You can lay up things for yourself, kick back and say, all right, I'm good till I die. Then what? That's what Jesus said. Then what? What good does that do? It does no good, right? And so there's a godly way of viewing finances that I think God is inviting us. Can you say us? So I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. But I mean our church family and the church at large. If we will present our finances and even just our capability of receiving from him in this way, we are going to see power in our communities as we submit this tool to him. Amen? Let's go ahead and pull up Matthew chapter 6 verses, well, we'll just do verse 24. Take a guess who said this. Jesus. Yep. Good guess. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He, that's real, isn't it? You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. What does it mean to be enslaved to money? It means we're letting money tell us what to do, right? 
it means money gets to call the shots. We have our eyes on money. How can I, how can I get money? What can I do for money? What, how can I serve you money? How can God get more of you? How can I pursue you? I want to devote my attention to you. That's turning money into a God. And guess what? We cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I would encourage you, and just right off the bat, there's no way I'm going to get through all that the Bible has to say about money. I'm not taking that pressure, okay? So just for the record, God will very well probably reveal things to you as we go along. He's going to fill some gaps, amen? Because he's so good at doing that. But I'd encourage you in your own time, because how many of you know you have Bibles? You know, did you know that? And like, I'm grateful for the gift of teaching, right? I, I glean from many great teachers, and my hope is, is that you pull on the anointing that God works through me as I teach here. But guess what? He'll teach you some things in your own time too, yeah? So I'd encourage you, please look at what Scripture has to say about finances. But many people have been duped into enslavement to the idol of money at the expense of financial freedom in Christ. Can you say financial freedom? What does financial freedom mean? Could it possibly mean that you have the resources to accomplish what God wants to do through you? I think that sounds like financial freedom. Could it also mean that your satisfaction is not based on how thick your wallet is? Could it also maybe mean that the size of your house does not dictate the size of what God can do through you? Come on, church. His way is better. What? Man, whew. that's a good song. Don't be duped. If attaining money is the key thing motivating your decisions, then any invitation from God regarding generosity or self-sacrificial love will be dismissed. Why? Because if your goal is to get money, why would you give any? They're, they're contrary. Do you see how this would be a kingdom divided against itself? I mean, Jesus calls us into singularity under his lordship, right? So it's like he invites us to give him everything. What does that mean? That means being led by him. That means being satisfied by him. So I would just encourage you, if money is a touchy subject, ask yourself why. Lots of people have been hurt, and I get that, you know? Uh, how many other people, even in the church, money can get perverted, right? Like, I mean, you hear stories about it over and over again. And, and if you've had a hurtful experience from the church regarding finances, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry that happened to you but that does not dismiss God's heart to work through you in this way, okay? And maybe you've never given before in your life. I want to invite you this morning to open your mind, to let him transform you regarding your finances. Don't block this out and say, nope, money, off limits. Why? Why is anything off limits? If this is touchy, it might be because you're identifying a little bit too much with your money. 
God wants to shape us. Amen? I mean, there's joy as he transforms us. Amen? Such joy. So loving money is making money God. Can we throw that last scripture up again, Kyle? I just want us to see that. It says, you will hate one and what the other? Love the other. Our love determines our Lord. And we are clearly told in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, if you're not familiar with this portion of Scripture, I hope that you get familiar with it. Kyle, let's go ahead and pull that up. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. So you see the all caps? Those are quotations from the Old Testament, in case you're wondering. It's not, we're not yelling at you, okay? That's, just, that's a quotation. So as this one of them, a lawyer asked him a question. The lawyer's asking Jesus, testing him. How many other people got testy with Jesus? They were like trying to trap him regularly, you know? And Jesus was just like, ha, 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 led by the Spirit of God. Like, what? You can't touch me, you know? Until he's like, touch me, you know? He says this. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he was probably like, which is the great commandment in the law? You know, trying to get him, trying to get some ammunition against him. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Isn't that powerful? I find it interesting, though, that he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and yet he says, but also love your neighbor as yourself. You see, loving your neighbor is a byproduct of loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. How many of you know loving money is not? Did you hear me? And so if you're hearing things that are stirring up a love, an infatuation with money, either... You are digesting things improperly, or you should stop listening to whatever you're listening to. Did you hear me? Because we don't want that. We want our eyes fixed on Jesus. We want to love the Lord with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. And how many of y'all think, by extension, that automatically means with our resources? Hello? Yes. Right? Because if he's transforming the way that we think, then it, our, our, our thoughts that we choose to act on will determine our actions, which obviously, by implication, will have to do with our finances and our spending. 1 Timothy 6.10. I just want to show you that the issue surrounding money is a love issue. Let's all read this together. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, I don't want us pierced with many griefs. A lot of us are hurting unnecessarily. And I say that as an invitation, not as a judgment. 
A lot of us have pierced ourselves. We're worried. We're freaking out about money. We're comparing ourselves amongst ourselves and hurt because we don't have what they have or, or whatever. All of that is based in a misplaced love. We love God with all of ourselves, amen? And by extension, we will love ourselves, right? Because it says you will love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's not perverted to love yourself. If it's at the expense of others, that's perverted. But God loves humanity, including you. But when it comes to finances, they can be a powerful tool that God can use. So the issue is not money. God's not anti-money. Okay, church? There's been people that have gone down that road, and I don't want us going down that road because a broke church, what can we do? I mean, we can love people well, we can talk with people well, and I'm not saying if you don't have money, you don't have a testimony, but what I am saying is money can help people. Money can feed people. How many of y'all know you go to the doctor, there's some bills there, right? Money can pay some bills. And a community like ours can be tremendously impacted by a church that is utilizing its resources to help this community. And that will become more and more of a possibility as all of us, can you say us? get our minds right about money, right? As we don't pursue money as the end goal. We pursue God, and money's going to help us accomplish his purposes. Amen? So I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're broke, hey, there's room for God to move. And hey, guess what? If you're rich, there's room for God to move. <laughs> you know that? They each come with their own challenges, did you know that? Scripturally, God speaks to both. Because there's challenges in both. But God can lead us in either and cause us to thrive for his purposes. Amen? So when you talk about love, you know, I was just asking God, well, what does that even mean to love money? Well, what do you do? What, what are signs of love? How many of you know attention represents love? Right? Uh, if, you're, if you're on a date with somebody, do you just pull out your phone, start perusing the interwebs? That's not a good date, right? Okay, I mean, you could do that, but yes, fair clarification. That's not a good date. I saw a couple kids doing that at the log jam the other day. I was like, why? What is this? You know, it was like they were, all they were doing is they were like scrolling through Instagram and looking for something to talk about. And I was just like, this is very strange. And then I was also like, I'm eavesdropping, stop it. You know, <laughs> you know that whole log in your own eye thing, you know. But, but it is interesting. Attention communicates love, right? And, and sometimes, even by accident, can you guys say accident? We can give God a backseat. Sometimes... All of the other noise can crowd out the Spirit of God in our life. And I just want to encourage everybody here this morning, if that's where you're at, 
Let's let the Holy Spirit direct our eyes back to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Come on, amen? amen. That's scripture, y'all. And so when it comes to attention about money, let's look at Mark 4, 18 through 19. Mark 4, 18 through 19. Maybe I'll just read it to you. It says this, The seed that fell, so Jesus had just told a parable, and at this point, there we go, at this point he's explaining it. It was about seed falling on different kinds of ground, and the seed being the word of God being planted in our hearts, right? And so here it talks about one of those kinds of soil that the seed fell on. It says, The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. How many of y'all want to produce some fruit? Hello? How many of y'all want to produce some fruit? Yeah? Then here's the deal. Let's not let the stuff crowd out the Word of God in our lives. And this is easy to say, but it takes intentionality to live out. Okay? Because we live in a world that is just like veering for our attention. It is pulling it's as hard as it possibly can to get our eyes off of Jesus. And if we will get our eyes on Jesus, then we can reach the world that is trying to pull us out onto its terms. We can reach that world that is hurting and screaming for our attention, but we're going to reach them in the way they were intended to be reached, which is with the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So don't let things crowd out the Word of God in your life. And one of those things was the lure of wealth. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In how many of your ways? In all your ways. How many of y'all think that all your ways has to do with your finances? Yeah, so in regards to our finances and every other way, we are going to what? Acknowledge him. What does that sound like? Does that sound like scrolling? Does that sound like, excuse me, um, this is more important? No. It means saying, Jesus, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you as the source of every and any good thing that I have. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior, which means that you lead me with everything that I give to you, and you save me from myself and from the nonsense of a fallen world. Amen? How many, it's so beautiful. There's an opportunity for salvation in your finances. Like, I'm so grateful that, <laughs> I'm so grateful that I came into the kingdom when I did. And, and I just want to encourage anybody, no matter when you come in, God can clean up shop. Did you hear me? 
Like you might be up to your eyeballs in debt, but how many of know we're seated above all principality and power and dominion? How many of you think that might even have to do with the perverted power you inflicted on yourself before you gave it all to Jesus? Seated above. And there's hope. Okay? Did you hear me? There's hope. God wants to move. God wants to heal. And you know what? God will even work all that into a beautiful testimony. He really will. But I'm so grateful. It was, it was such an awesome opportunity because we did this thing. We'll probably do it again in the future called Financial Peace University. Anybody ever heard of that before? Uh, it's, it's really cool. It's a thing Dave Ramsey does. This dude is very intelligent when it comes to money, you know. But he really does build in some kingdom principles regarding finances. And, and Kara and I, we did that right before we got married. And I'm so grateful because like that set us up to go, oh, God really, 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 really does care about how we build our financial life. Because guess what? Our life is not separate from Jesus, right? And so he gets to tell us what to do with our money and he gets to heal broken financial situations. He actually wants to do that. But attention communicates love. And we're to acknowledge him in all our ways. So what else? How many of y'all think trust communicates love? Yeah? I think so too. Let's go ahead. We're going to pull up some scripture here talking about trust and finances. Uh, well, one, let's just pull up that same scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Guys, look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in money with some of your heart? No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's look at Proverbs 11.28. Ready? He who trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. How many green leaves in the house? Come on. You guys want to flourish like that? Yeah? I like that way more than falling. Entrusting in our riches is setting us up to fall. Because how many know riches are just, they're finicky, man. You know, I, it's, it's wild. People can have all of their money built up in investments and all that stuff, and stock market can crash. If your hope is in that, then what? Then what? Like, this matters. People, people, like, take their lives over this stuff because it all falls apart. What all fell apart? Did Jesus fall off the throne? No, there is hope is what I'm trying to communicate. So no matter what, the ebbs and the flows, the ups and the downs, don't trust in the thing, trust in the giver of anything good that he is going to provide in any and every circumstance. Amen? Amen. Amen. Trust in the Lord. I, I want to flourish like that green leaf. I mean, the red ones are pretty, you know. The orange ones are pretty, you know, until you have to rake them up. I don't want to rake you up. Psalm 62.10. You guys ready? Do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. 
If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. You see, what can happen is you can accidentally let the enemy pervert a gift and turn it into a weapon. Did you know that? And I just want to make sure that we as a church family, if riches increase, our heart is set. Our hearts are set no matter what. No matter what happens around us, no matter circumstance, our hearts and our eyes, our minds, our souls, everything fixed on Jesus. Amen? So even if riches increase, we don't start to go, Ooh, pretty. Ooh, more. Right? No, we go, God, thank you. You're amazing. What do you want me to do with it? Because you're Lord. I'm a sheep. Remember? Remember, guys? We're sheep. Bah! We're simple. We obey our master, Jesus, who loves us and knows what's good for us. And he wants, he wants us to thrive financially. Again, not so we can just kick back, but so that we can be blessed and we can be a blessing. But don't fix your eyes on stuff. Proverbs 10, 22. Here's the good news. Y'all ready? It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. How many y'all know? A perverted pursuit of money, there's sorrow attached to that. Yeah? God's blessing, it ain't like that. It's not like that. He gives, and it's a blessing, and he shows us what to do with it, and the fruit of that looks kingdom. It's kingdom stuff, and there's no sorrow attached to it. It's very strange how sad rich people can be. You know, it's very sad how, how, how full of sorrow poor people can be. Guys, it's, it's across the gambit. If your hope is in money, there will be sorrow. If your hope is in God, you will have joy, okay? You will have a joy. You will have a contentment and a peace that money could never give you. Bob Marley, I don't have this written down, so I'm going to misquote him. But Bob Marley said, money is numbers, and numbers never end. If you have your desire set on money, you will never be satisfied. Isn't that powerful? It's real. It's just like more, 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 more. It will never be enough. If money's your God, it will never be enough. So don't violate your heart in order to attain riches, okay? God will lead you, and his ways might look different than the world's ways. You might see people doing all sorts of weird stuff for promotions. Don't do it, okay? We serve people like Jesus, amen? And there's promotion in that. If you keep your eyes on him and you serve him well, there's going to be fruit. And it might not look as immediate 
It might not look as lottery winning as everybody else, but how many of y'all have seen the lottery winning go bad? I want fruit that endures. I want something that lasts. I don't want chaos. I want peace. And I want to be able to be generous. Amen? And you can start that no matter where you're at. So contentment. Can y'all say contentment? You see, I would define contentment as the strength and satisfaction that comes as a byproduct of trusting God regardless of circumstance. I'm going to say that again. Contentment is the strength and satisfaction that come as a byproduct of trusting God regardless of circumstance. Let's look at Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul said this, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So don't let your lack or your prosperity pull your eyes from Jesus. Hey, rich people, remember Jesus. Hey, poor people, remember Jesus. It's like this beautiful invitation to no matter what your means are, remember who's Lord. Remember what gives you strength. And don't be pulled down by stuff. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Y'all ready? He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This, too, is vanity. What does that mean? It means it's fleeting. It means it's purposeless, right? He who what's money? Loves money. Will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who what's abundance? Loves abundance with its income. What's the issue here? Love. Are you infatuated, enamored with money, with the glitter of the stuff? Kayla, it's okay. Glitter is okay. <laughs> Not judging your glitter, okay? <laughs> Kayla loves glittery things, in case you're wondering. It's just like an aesthetic choice, you know? It's very nice. But I find that interesting. You see, we're invited in the kingdom to be content. Can y'all say content? which again means satisfied. It's not just like, oh, I guess I'm just content, you know? It means that God's power is bringing a satisfaction to you regardless of circumstance. This, you will not be content. If we love money, we will not be satisfied with it, ever. But if Jesus is our heart's desire, we will be satisfied regardless of circumstance. Money won't make you happy. Money, they say money can't buy happiness. That's real. It's funny. I actually looked this up. It's not often that I quote articles, but there's an article from money.com talking about a Harvard business study. Listen to this. The attitude among millionaire respondents was a resounding, the more, the better. 
in order to get a perfect 10 on the happiness scale, so saying, how much more money would you need to possibly be perfectly happy? I mean, it's a flawed question right out the gate, right? <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, we good, you know? But this is what it says. 27% of millionaires said they'd need a 1,000% increase in wealth. <laughs> Guess what? They get that. Let's say they even get that 1,000%. They're going to still be there. Like, they're going to, they're going to be, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I just find it, oh, man. 25% said they'd need 500% more. Most troubling, perhaps, shout out to this 13%, but most troubling, perhaps, is the less than 600, 13%, who said they could achieve perfect happiness with the amount of money they already have. Come on, let's, let's, round of applause for those homies, you know, like... My hope is, is that they're not going, yeah, I have enough money, so now I'm happy. My hope is, is that they go, no matter how much money I got, I'm good because Jesus is Lord. Probably not the case for all of them. But I'm not anti-millionaire. What I am is anti-selfish millionaire. God might bless your socks off, but we need to make sure that our satisfaction is found in him, and that we never put a firm grip on stuff because we're just stewards. Do you hear me? Again, I wish I could teach for, maybe we'll do a series on money sometime. I think that'd be good, you know? But really, we're just stewarding what he gives us. It's all his. So don't put too firm of a grip on it. Don't identify with your money. Don't make it your satisfaction. It's all his. Just get simple. Obey him. He'll lead you to make wise decisions. Do you know that? And I'd encourage you, if you're making a big financial uh, commitment, talk to spirit-led community. Okay? That means your friends that you know hear the spirit of God. That means your pastors. I would encourage you, Reach out to people before making giant financial commitments. Sometimes you can confirm some things, and sometimes people will ask good questions that will lead you to asking God, and you might get talked out of something you were just going to fall into. You know? Does that sound like wisdom? So, just a couple more things here. Uh, how many of y'all know pursuit demonstrates love. Yeah, if I'm pursuing something, it demonstrates that I love that something, right? Like how many of y'all when you were dating and hopefully still when you're married, huh, are chasing after your spouse? You know, one of, one of the really cute memories I have it made me just like, oh yeah, my mom, she's got a good one, you know? They had one of those really cute moments, you know, they were in the kitchen. I don't even know if they saw it, that, if they knew that I saw it, you know, but they just kind of had like one of those cute little, <laughs> we'll get you, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like one of those little moments, you know, and I even think there was like a cute little butt pad in it, and I was like, kind of weird, you're my parents, but also this is beautiful, you know what I mean? But I was just like, that kind of pursuit, like that, and it's a lasting pursuit. There's something so beautiful to that, you know? 
And I would just encourage us to stay there with God. Let's look at 1 Timothy again, 6. We're going to read 6 through 12, and we're going to speed read this, but don't let that take away from the power of Scripture. But godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Guess what, guys? Stuff is stuff. Stuff is stuff. Oh, I have a beautiful collection of stuff is stuff. Seriously, real talk. Present your collections to the Lord. I'm just saying, and that's from a dude. I collect vinyl, right? But also, I need to be ready to not buy a new vinyl that I want. Or I need to be ready to give it all away like that if God asks me to. Right? It's all his. And it's just here for a moment. So we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare of many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you men and women of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How many of y'all think that what you pursue matters? Yeah? Is what this reminds me of is 1 Corinthians 14. Where, so 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ, right? It talks about the different members, and it also talks about the gifts of the Spirit, right? How many of y'all know there's some gifts of the Spirit? You know, how many of y'all think God wants to work those things out in our day, in our midst, amen? 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the love of God. It says that none of this stuff should be done void of the love of God. Otherwise, like Pastor Paul read this morning, it's just a clanging symbol. It's dead. It's nonsense. 14.1. So 1 Corinthians 14.1. I don't even have it here. What it says is, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Pursue what? Love. So love is a person, right? Who is that? Jesus. Saying pursue Jesus and yet earnestly desire the stuff so that you can use it as a tool in that pursuit. Right? People have made idols out of spiritual gifts. People can make idols out of money. But I just want to encourage you that we can pursue God in righteousness and gentleness and all of the things that it's set up there in godliness and we can desire wealth for his purposes. Did you hear me? So it's, it's all, a, it's, it really is a matter of where your heart is at. It really is. Is it centered in Jesus and his call and his leading? And then that will lead us into a place of generosity. Can you say generosity? generosity. Let's take a look at Acts 20, verse 35. In everything... This is the Apostle Paul talking here. I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to what? Give. To give than to what? Receive. How many of y'all are blessed when you receive something? 
How many of y'all are even more blessed when you give something? Yeah? Here's my instruction. That blessing, when we give, is centered on Jesus, not the reaction of the person to whom we give it. Did you hear me? Not on the payback. We've been clearly told, freely you've been given, freely give. What does that mean? That means no strings attached. And sing people in the house now. I'm a millennial, y'all. Deal with it. You're going to get some in sync every now and then, you know? <laughs> and, and I just want to encourage people, if, if you don't have much, it does not mean that you cannot be generous. Okay? Don't wait until you got enough to be generous. Again, Kara and I, like, man, we were grinding. What do I mean by that? I mean, we were, like, working pretty hard, and we weren't making very much. Guess what we still did? We gave. Guess what we still did? We presented our finances to God, our joint finances. As a married couple, your joint finances. Can everyone say joint finances? If you're one flesh, I think you're one wallet. Your joint finances. But what about my money? It ain't your money. You better knock it off. That peeves me, man. That's why I'm grateful for premarital counseling. I'm like, yo, listen, your money is his money. It ain't yours. And it ain't separated. Now, you might have little fun money accounts. I'm not mad at that, but you are budgeting together. And how many of y'all think we should budget the kingdom? We don't just tip the kingdom. Amen? It's like, yeah, I just have a little bit of extra. So there you go, church. Do what you can with it. No, we budget the kingdom. Amen? We say, God, you've given us so much. What do you want us to do with it? We will obey you no matter where we're at in life. Luke 16.10. Y'all ready? He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If you want much and you want your much to be fruitful someday, then you better be fruitful in your little now. You better let God lead you right now in what you're doing and just be faithful. Be a faithful steward, no matter where you're at. But I don't have, listen, yes, you do. God's given you something. What can you do with it? Ask him. 2 Corinthians 8:12. For if the readiness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. This is talking in the context, just so you know, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 are both talking about money, okay? Now, this matters because what this means is God's not going to ask you to give what you do not have to give. Okay? But, can y'all say but? Sometimes we misutilize what he's given us and we exhaust all of our finances on things that perhaps he has not leaded us to purchase so that we don't have anything left over, right? I would just encourage you, align your priorities with the kingdom, okay? What does that mean? That means budget in generosity.
couch it in generosity, what does that look like? I personally, firmly believe, and I think it's scriptural, that that looks like investing in the local church. I do. I think it looks like that. What else do I think it looks like? I think that that looks like us having eyes for needs around us, right? Not dismissing opportunities where we see people who could use some help. Doesn't mean flippantly throwing money at every need you see because we would exhaust everything in no time. But it means hearing God and obeying him and what he does show us to give. So what he asks of us may require us to shift our financial priorities. Just so you know, be prepared for that. It's fun. Might, might make you go, huh, initially. But I really wanted that new Blu-ray player. How, how'd that work out? Blu-ray's dead, man. How much fruit in that? You know what I mean? It's like, and, and listen, God's not mad at your Blu-ray player. I'm just saying, if it's a Blu-ray player or generosity, generosity. You know what I mean? And then guess what? He breathes on it and blessing increases. And he might hook you up with that Blu-ray player. Nobody wants that. I don't know what the new equivalent is. I didn't get any amens on that because they're like, yeah, you're right, Blu-ray, what? I don't even want that, you know? <laughs> could say like fishing boat or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go, Monique. There you go. There you go. God's got you. Yeah, that's good. So giving to the local church, um, just because I'm aware that there's people from all different sorts of places in life, honestly, some people are like, I don't even know what or how to start giving. Uh, how many of y'all have ever heard the word tithe before? Yeah, tithe is a biblical word, okay? And what it means literally is tenth, okay? And for a long time, the tithe was talked about, about being a specific requirement of the law. Okay, now how many all know some things from the Old Testament are still healthy when lived out from a purposeful heart? Yeah, and so I'm not commanding anything here. But what I'm saying is if you're looking for a good place to start, I would encourage you a tithe could be a good place to start. And guess what? I don't limit God to what the law required. Okay, I'm going to wait for a moment. We getting there? Okay, good. I'm not going to limit God to what the law required. What does that mean? That means that I think we're empowered in grace to go even further than that. And so I'd encourage you, <laughs> be led. Your decisions won't always be this cute, but maybe start at 11. You know what I mean? It's like, I just a little bit past the law, but I'm just, hear God, okay, and follow him. So last two things. It's just an, a word of encouragement God wants to provide for your needs. Can y'all say needs? And God wants to provide for your deeds. Can you say deeds? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need, listen, God knows your needs. He knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You might be freaked out by this message going, but what about me? God's got you. He will meet your needs. 
Next up, he will meet your deeds. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Anybody want to sow bountifully in the house? Yeah, come on. There will be a bountiful reap there as well. Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Are you encouraged by that? God will take care of your needs. God will supply abundantly for your deeds. He's got us. Let's not limit him to a mindset conformed to the world. Let's present ourselves as living sacrifices. And if money has a hold on your heart, I would encourage you, ask Holy Spirit, to show you how to change that. Amen? So what do you think? Has that series been helpful? Yeah. yeah, let's just one time celebrate God just for what he's done through it, you know? And remember, it ain't over. Uh, just a couple questions for consideration. Number one, have you been letting God lead you in your finances? Does your spending align with his leading? Is that a fair question? Yeah. Uh, number two, have you been limiting God's influence in your finances? Have you been limiting him perhaps to a mindset conform to the world? Worth considering? Awesome. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.